Hello and welcome to Ship It Shout It, your product management and product marketing podcast. I'm Daniel Thomason and here is your co-host Lena Herc with the product marketing sign. Yep. Hello, everyone. You are now with us for the second mini-series. Yep. As a quick reminder, for season two, we've decided to do mini-series and one mini-series is three episodes about one topic. So... The first episode always deals with discovery, the second with delivery, and the third with launch. If you haven't listened to our first miniseries, D&D, yet, I highly mm-hmm. recommend you go uh, give it a listen. Check it's good it fun out. and a nice overview of the product development process. Exactly. This miniseries, though, because D&D was too much fun, we need too to much go fun. a bit more serious. For this miniseries, we're talking about open borders. This one, we're going to risk alienating a few of our <laughs> listeners. So yeah, you're let's welcome. Get into it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk a little bit first about what are open borders? What does it mean? So open borders basically are free movement of people across the globe, whether that is for travel, for work, for residency. Basically think about the world not really having an immigration process anywhere ever. Or visa processes. Or visa processes, exactly. Limits on where you can go. Exactly. So clearly that is kind of the end goal, that there are no restrictions uh, when we say open borders. But it's important to highlight that this is probably a process. You won't wake up tomorrow and all of a sudden all of this stuff is gone. It's probably steps. There there might be a few steps along the way. I can can see this being a little more complicated. And we're departing from the world of today, right? We are are pretending we're developing this product uh, from... 2020 exactly the you know basically think the the ceo of the world comes (laughs) to us and says i want open borders go and And then he leaves to go he leaves to go as as they do classic Um, ceo of the world (laughs) exactly and now we are here with this problem of open borders so what is our first step and that is what we're covering in this first episode and Basically, this episode is going to be all about communicating with stakeholders. A uh, pretty important topic for something this thorny, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, as you said, Lena, the first thing, though, before we before we start thinking about other stakeholders, uh, before the CEO of the world runs out the front door, yeah. let's grab him and pull him back. And really, this is kind of such an important thing with any 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 project like this and to be honest this has happened i not the ceo of the world but mm-hmm. certainly the ceo of companies that i've been in mm-hmm. have done what uh jana basto i think uh, one of my favorite product leadership um people she she's the ceo of um, prodpad she calls it the seagull approach the mm-hmm. the swoop and poop um, <laughs> the swoop and poop. they dive in they <laughs> poop a project out and then they swoop away again yeah. um classic this has happened before and the absolute first thing that you need to do is pull them back in the room and say, cool, look, first of all, love the project. Yeah, obviously. A plus. <laughs> but before we run in that direction, just have a couple of questions. First one, and <laughs> I know you know this is my favorite question. Um, oh, here we go, yeah. What do you want to achieve with this? Mm-hmm. Like, what's what, what's the point? What's your vision for how does the world look after we launch this project? Like, what's what's the desired end state? Yeah, because right. unless we understand that, Mr. World CEO, it's going to be much, much harder to ship what you have in your mind. I really want to know what the dream is. Uh, so that so that what we build, what we ship, uh, is really going to help us get there. Mm-hmm. 
So that's going to be the first thing. And we'll put a pin in this for now because in the third episode of this mini series, we're going to talk about measuring success. Yeah what that looks like and what metrics we should look at. And so we'll kind of, we'll just put that on pause for now and tune in in two weeks to hear more about that. But let's assume that we've had that conversation thoroughly and we already have an idea from our sort of most important stakeholder mm-hmm. why why this project got dropped on our desk. Yeah, exactly. Because I guess it's really important to know before you start something what success will or should look like and then you can you can use that throughout the process to really work towards making it a success yeah exactly because yeah yeah. defining success at the end of the project is kind of pointless you just have to hope that what you what what you were imagining you were building is actually going to meet the criteria that are well you just you've just kicked a ball and then hope that the goalposts got put down where you you thought they were or you put the goalposts yeah exactly (laughs) where the ball rolled it's the old like shoot the arrow and then paint a target around it exactly (laughs) okay so We've talked to our most important stakeholder, um, Ms. Ms. World CEO, who's yeah. come and dropped this on our desk. But yeah. now, okay, obviously with something like this, there's there's going to be a fair few stakeholders, right, Lena? Probably a fair few. If we're talking like true open borders, every single person who lives on this world Phew. will uh, be a stakeholder. And I thought, I thought my one and a half thousand person <laughs> company was tough. Like, Yeah, that's, it's nothing. Let's go to seven billion. It's nothing. Okay. Cool. So let's talk about who are the stakeholders or more like how do we define the different stakeholders? Yeah, because I guess thinking about it as a 7 billion person list of stakeholders is probably a bit tough. Yeah, bit tough. We want to think about how can we group the different stakeholders? Like how do we partition them into stakeholder groups that make sense for us and that we can then approach as groups rather than as individuals. Mm-hmm. The first thing that comes to mind is thinking about the different like thinking about countries as a stakeholder group. Either we use individual countries or we in, we use types of countries, say by region for mm-hmm. example. We could also use it by when I say type like would it be a net immigration country or a net immigration country for mm-hmm. example and things like that. That's kind of the first thing that comes into my head, but it also doesn't feel quite right just because I'm thinking if we if we want to do it by country, we're kind of trying to get rid of, not necessarily getting rid of countries, but getting rid of borders, which is then... It makes countries it, less, less an important level of analysis, right? Exactly. What else could be our stakeholder groups? Well, we could think about it by influence on the process. So, for example... Voters and then politicians, bureaucrats, international bodies, that kind of thing. So however they sit within the process and their influence on the process, that's how we could group them as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or I guess as a third one, we could think about demographics as well. So for example, partitioning them by age, because your age might define how you view this and what's important to you in this process and so on. Mm, and then that's, I guess, assuming that demographic characteristics transcend national borders, for example? Like, does the retired generation have attitudes towards open borders Mm -hmm. that will kind of be similar all around the world? I guess Mm -hmm. this is one of the questions that underlies that. Yeah. This is sort of an interesting exercise to have gone through and has pretty good analogy back to a valuable process for the for, for normal product development. Mm-hmm. Because I think far too often the temptation as a product manager or a product marketing manager is to think, okay, the labels that people come with 
as their department in your co- in your company, yeah. that's their stakeholder group. Yeah. Okay, so they are legal, they are marketing, they are compliance, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the stakeholder. Although this is true and kind of a helpful starting point, kind of like your example, like of the, the countries, countries. Yeah. exactly. Like like people, it's an obvious quite, one, exactly. Like they they come with that label attached. You don't have to do any thinking. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it, it has got helpful predictive power. So it's not a bad starting point, mm-hmm. but it's just a starting point. And so similar to what we just did now, it's helpful to zoom out or in on this mm-hmm. level of analysis and say, okay, but maybe there's different ways to group people. Yeah. And possibly some of these cut across stakeholder groups. Like you said, if we think about demographics, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter which country you come from. We're thinking of you now as your age, much more so yeah. than your original stakeholder group. But you could also start with that level of analysis. Let's say within a company, you start at the level of you're from department X. Mm-hmm. You could either zoom out and say legal, for example, has certain needs. But if we zoom out and ask, okay, what is their value that they add to the company okay so legal thinks about risks to the company and about things that could shut us down okay and that's in that sense they're actually similar to compliance both of these Mm -hmm. these stakeholder departments actually belong to this broader stakeholder group of risk focused uh, stakeholder groups and then marketing and sales are more like forward-looking, attack-focused kind of, if you like, <laughs> stakeholder groups, yeah. and so on. And so you could kind of go at this like high level of, of abstraction and say, what value group do they belong to within the company? Mm-hmm. Or you could go the opposite direction and go to a lower level of abstraction and say, okay, within compliance, yes, we think of it as this kind of unipolar thing, compliance wants one thing, but actually is that entirely true? Within compliance at a bank, for example, you've got the anti-money laundering um, team and their job is to kind of essentially protect the, the bank from existential risks, things, things that could, ascent, could bring, bring the bank down entirely. But then they're sitting alongside the complaints team and the complaints team are looking at sort of mosquito risks, but there's a lot of them. Like these complaints cost us a little bit in fines every time, but if those build up enough, then it really hits your bottom line. And so those two groups, even though they live within compliance, they will be thinking about the world in kind of subtly different ways. And so potentially thinking about them as different stakeholders or at least at some stage, considering that they might represent shades of difference within a stakeholder really gives you a a better appreciation for how you might convince them Mm -hmm. and sort of what messaging what what kind of way to appeal to them might might suit it best yeah and i think something that's interesting is um how much do you let them know how you view them yeah (laughs) so you know you're, you're talking about the risk and the attack group them knowing that you call them that will put them into a certain mindset, I feel, already. So Mm. it's almost kind of like, uh, well, I belong to the attack group, so I'm going to be like really aggressive in this, or I belong to the risk group, so clearly there's some sort of implied behavior from that name. And certainly it shapes how they think you think about them. Oh, absolutely. But I think, yeah, absolutely. So they they get a bit of a vision into what you might think of them, at least in their professional person. But also I feel it might also influence just how they behave in general. Yeah, true. Like if you're part of the risk group, as you said, you start thinking more along the risk lines. Yeah. Um, so maybe 
either not revealing that or rebranding them as the defense group or something like that. Like, yeah. well, some, Even somehow shape, well, I don't know, depends on what you want them, to, how you want them to behave. Like, because sure. by labeling them, you want to have that label steer them towards yeah. their the attitude towards the project that you want them to take. Yeah, sure. And this kind of bringing it back to open borders, this also goes for our stakeholder groups here. So I've, I was talking about net emigration, net immigration countries we possibly wouldn't want to even if we decided that that's the that's the partitioning we're using for our stakeholders we may not want to say that because it kind of implies you know some countries will be the winners because lots of people will go there mm. and some countries will be the losers because lots of people will leave will be leaving um so it's a yeah i think it's a really interesting problem and really th- thinking about how much you want to reveal to them is is quite important in this case and that's even though this is common knowledge, it's 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 probably not a surprise to any country that they're going to be a net migra- sure. net immigration or yeah. net emigration country, but just being explicitly just being labeled, labeled that, that is probably feels a certain way and that may not be helpful to our desire of convincing them. Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, so I think I guess just to sort of wrap up the choice of stakeholder groups, we've talked about a few different ones. I suspect probably that the one you just spoke about, kind of net net emigration, net immigration countries, is a good implicit way of thinking about it. And then kind of the demographic and the type of participant in the project in the process will be good stakeholder splits that we could be more explicit about with open borders i suspect but we could certainly think further along these lines i think this has just been a kind of indicative discussion i was going to say i think i wouldn't want to make any decision on how to partition our stakeholders until i would have done much more research and thought about (laughs) lots of different scenarios what i want from this is open borders to happen so i would want to think about okay if if i divide them into these stakeholder groups what will that mean for my outcome and then i can kind of go through different scenarios and figure out what's actually the best way of um grouping my stakeholders here to to achieve to achieve the the outcome i want to achieve but also to be able to message to them in a way that will resonate with them so i can actually convince them i don't want to you know like force them or anything i just want to make sure that we can convince each stakeholder group the best possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Now that we've identified these stakeholder groups, how do we then go about thinking about convincing them? As you said, like that's yeah. what we're trying to do here. I would think about it like big picture messaging here. So you don't just want to think about what you say. You also want to think about how you say it, where you say it. And you also want to think about what else needs to go with it. So kind of collateral, I suppose. Unpacking that a little, I think the the what to say is makes sense. Um, you know, you want to think about the language you're using, the tone you're using, all that kind of stuff. Things we've talked about before, really. The how to say it is interesting. So you want to think about how do you convey information do you want to use numbers and stats a lot to convince people or do you want to use emotions and then you think about okay what works on which stakeholder group so So, for example like i guess if we're talking about bureaucrats in international bodies they would probably need more like the data-driven number approach yeah whereas the general populace the voters they're going to be a lot more driven by the emotional storytelling kind of how exactly as to the where Uh, I think the traditional method um, of announcing something is a press conference. 
that um, gets passed onto the news and all that kind of stuff. So it's quite a quite a broad putting out the message, I suppose. So I would say you want to keep that type of messaging fairly neutral and not necessarily targeted at one group in particular, just because it's going out to everyone. Mm -hmm. But then you might have other outlets um, that are more specific to certain groups and there you can target your messaging a little bit more mm -hmm. so the, t the newspaper if, if i put it in der spiegel then <laughs> only old germans are going to read it so po possibly yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so on <laughs> exactly and then as the last one the collateral you also want to think about okay so when i put that message out what else might people expect to be able to see do read up on you probably will have wanted to, to create a website prior to announcing this probably with a bunch of information you can also think about do i need an app do i need a game do i need a netflix series to support this mm. do i want a comic book for example actually one exists there is a pretty good comic book for this we'll link it in, on the website um yeah. But yeah so i guess it's sort of the collateral is once people have heard your message what is the next step for them to hear more, right? Exactly. What is the next step to hear more or just kind of confirm or, yeah, any get, get any kind of extra information, especially I think with a big change like this one, people will want to read up on it, think about it, get more information. And it's important that they can do that, I guess, kind of in their own time and do however they feel comfortable. Maybe it's ringing, like ringing a hotline or something. <laughs> I guess it's kind of the push versus pull information, right? Yeah. Like your push messaging is what you send out into the world. And then the pull is once someone's heard about it, where can they go to yeah. ask their own questions? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So once we've put out the messaging, something else that we probably want to have thought about it before what are some likely objections people will have? And we can also, again, group that by the different stakeholder groups. But basically, we want to come up with things that we say when people give us give us their objections. So kind of like... The, or even before that, right? We, we want to sort of anticipate objections. Sure, we want to anticipate them. But them. Yeah, sure. But I honestly feel like you don't really need to rebuff something until someone asks it because you probably don't want to draw attention to it but as soon as someone has the objection you can say well no actually something something mm -hmm. and this this is kind of thinking along the lines of competitor battle cards which i've talked about before in season one so as a quick refresher a competitor battle card is something that a product marketing manager would create for usually the sales org it's something that if they have a prospect on the phone they can pull up the competitor battle card and when the prospect says something like well but your competitor promised me i don't know ten thousand dollars you can say you can you can look up your battle card and you can quickly say well no it's actually not quite like that they just say that or you know that that kind of thing so a, a rebuffal document mm -hmm. and this would work well here as well where you have your objections listed and then you have your answer to them listed as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess sort of important to be ready with that yeah. uh, before it comes up rather than be exactly. scrambling. And then I guess the last part of the messaging that struck me was what are we going to call this project? Yeah. Because calling it Open Borders, it sort of identifies it. And obviously it's it's the CEO of the world. It's sufficient. It's a sufficient moniker for her to understand it. <laughs> but it's not much of a selling point. No, no, um, it's not. And naming is important. We yeah. want... 
we want that name to be like nice and snappy. It's got to sell Memorable. It. Yeah. yeah. And I... I Sort of, I'm constantly surprised by how important naming really, really is. I, I sort of, I know it intellectually, but I, I keep seeing examples of it where it really just sort of carries the day in some situations. Like, for example, at my current company, there's a project last year, I think, kind of had medium results. It was nothing super special, but everyone was talking about it and everyone knew about it because of its name. It was called Project Ferrari. Very cool. Right? It had so much buzz around it that it couldn't help but succeed in people's mm. minds, at least. Even yeah. if people didn't know what the heck it was doing or what the results were, they knew about it's it. It's Project Ferrari. And it actually spawned, like, it, it, it was so successful at at least generating buzz that it spawned a broader project that yeah, was meant to take awesome. it to other markets called um, Project Formula One. Nice. Right? <laughs> and so, yeah, calling this something that is going to hook in people's minds and really mm-hmm. sell it from word word one essentially and mm-hmm. just like conjure up these positive images is going to be super important yeah so what do you think like what can we like how do we want to name this yeah so i guess something that you would do for this is go back to what is the selling point of this thing yeah. right what does it bring to people and i think what open borders brings to people is increase in happiness for everyone prosperity for everyone mm. so you probably want to lean into into that heavily because who can object to that really yeah true and importantly like the name has to be selling something that is going to cut across all stakeholder groups too yeah. like it's got it can't just you can't really have different names for different groups because no. it's going to get confusing no, no. so i yeah. think you're right i think happiness and prosperity these are things that it's very hard to object mm-hmm. to so maybe something like the prosperity project i like it yeah um, or like something something about like increasing the size of the pie mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. uh, i don't know you were saying something like cake for everyone cake right? for everyone yeah sounds a bit it's very marie antoinette yeah so anyway Has- Bad undertones, maybe. I think let's call it the Prosperity Project then mm-hmm. as our little... Um, Sounds good. But we'd obviously do a, lot, a bunch more market research yeah, around sure. what do you think of when you hear the Prosperity Project? <laughs> like People <laughs> yeah. are like, well, it sounds like a Netflix series about uh, runway divas. Uh, right. I don't know. We, we, we should do some research on this. But anyway, yeah. we'll start calling it that from now on. Yeah, that sounds good. It sounds like we have now identified our stakeholders or at least we know how we would identify our stakeholders. <laughs> good enough. <laughs> yeah, For that's 20 fine. minutes, I'll, I'll, exactly. I'll take that's it. Exactly, that's pretty good. And then also how we can best convince them that open borders is the way to go. Yeah, so uh, now that we have that done or at least have talked about it, the next stop, I guess, is uh, let's build our roadmap mm-hmm. for open borders. So that's what we're going to do next week. You're going to have to wait seven more days. But in the meantime... It's worth it. Yeah, it'll be worth it. But in the meantime, if you cannot wait and if you are dying for more Ship It Shout It content, well, first of all, go back, listen to any episodes you haven't listened to yet. Can yeah. highly recommend it. Yeah. But also check out the website. We'll put a bunch of links on there to open borders stuff so you can mm-hmm. read up to your heart's content. Um, go buy that comic book we were telling you about. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Not sponsored by, by the author at all but if they are listening it could be sponsored by the authors get in touch Um, (laughs) but that's it from us this week hope you've enjoyed it and um, we'll talk to you again next week about roadmaps for open borders see you then bye bye